from the spooky south coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and uh, we are broadcasting live via YouTube, only over our YouTube channel right now at, uh, what's it, spookysouthcoast.com, uh, youtube.com slash user slash spookysouthcoast. Oh, wait, I got the wrong microphone. All right, try that. Yep, you oh, can uh, go there or... Oh, the music's still there. Forgot the theme is that long. <laughs> right. So let me uh, let me just make sure that I reset that right now, because we don't want to miss anything important here at the station. Uh, we are basically trying to kind of override the board a little bit here while it's broadcasting a Red Sox game that is apparently going to go on ad infinitum ad in, for infinity. So uh, we are trying to override that and broadcast just on the YouTube stream, because this would be the ideal way to fill in this gap during Red Sox games. You know, we can have people watch this way and view the show this way, and we were able to record it for podcasts, which I forgot to do. Right, but that's fine. We'll just pull the audio off the YouTube video. Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> well, this is this is how we do things now, uh, you know, by the seat of our pants. It's what we've done for ten years, so we might as well keep going that way. Uh, but so this will be a, an option that we can explore down the field. And then, you know what this means now, though, Matt Goss, is people are going to expect us to do this all the time now, right? So no more using the Red Sox Red Sox as an excuse. Be like, well, it's a nine o'clock game. Let's not even go in. People will be like, well, you can go over the stream. <laughs> Why don't we have just the YouTube version only of the show? So. uh we do have joining us on the line, as long as I've set everything up right, Chris Balzano. Good evening, Chris. You with us? What? I... Chris, you're you're live on the air. Well, on the YouTube's. Hey, what's going on? How are we doing? Hey, hey, can you turn down your YouTube? It is completely off. All right, thank you. Yeah, I know that's the, the trouble is you can't really hear the show over the phone, so you don't know when we're when we're coming into you. Not to mention the fact, how many times have we actually been able to tell people on the air, can you please turn down your radio? I know. It's, it's, I've, I've had that opportunity more often on Saturday mornings than I have at night. Do you wanna, Matt, do you want to check the... Are you sure that we're totally not going over the air? Um, you look I, a little anxious. I think we're good. I think we're good. I wonder, are we going over the WBSM stream? Are we overriding that? That's a good question. Hmm. I don't know. We're not getting any phone calls. There's no uh, no angry I, phone I, calls listen, from the program. Directly. I have my phone right next to me, and if you people uh, that are watching on YouTube see me keep pressing my phone and looking at it, it's because I'm watching for the text. Because if there is a problem, I will get a text right away. Because the people who are in charge, the powers that be here, they are listening to this station, both over the radio and the stream, like 24 hours a day. There's like a team of people that are just listening and, and, and waiting to see if I screw up. So, so far, so good. Because we haven't gotten that text yet. So, uh, Chris, we were saying that this is kind of uh, uncharted territory for us to be able to broadcast in this way. But, you know, you and I have done plenty of Internet-only broadcasts over the years. <laughs> yes. Some more memorable than others. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's something that we've always talked about and something that we've always said we would love to do. You know, and it's that it's that... The reason why we haven't in the past part of it, other than the technology, is the um, the credibility that going over a, a live terrestrial uh, radio station gives to us over some other things. But this might be a way to overcome some of that. Yeah, I mean, and at the worst case scenario, is it something that uh, will allow us to 
just like I was saying before, fill in the gap, you know? Like, we'll, we'll go, we'll jump right back on to the WBSM airwaves should the game somehow miraculously end before midnight, but I don't, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening either based on what I was just listening to before you guys came on, so. So this, I mean, this is a way to kind of just, you know, get the audio out there and, and get the video out there, get the show out there and have something happen. And, uh, one of the, the things that we've always kind of relied on a little bit here uh, over the years is the fact that you know there are some games when the Red Sox will you know play on the West Coast and we we don't have to come in if we don't want to and you know like Yankee games I don't even I tell I tell you all the time like don't bother booking anybody if it's a seven o'clock Yankee game there's no way it's going to end before you know quarter twelve but this kind yeah, of puts the onus the, on us with the new uh, <clears throat> expanded Saturday schedule I'm not sure if BSM's uh, policy is going to be on that but you know that that cuts into our fall and winter too so this could be an exciting way to go the only thing that concerns me though is uh, you know I, I still I'm not 100% sure that somebody isn't hearing this somewhere so you know I think I think we're going to keep it you know restricted to broadcast language definitely you de- you're not going to hear me dropping the F-bombs and, and saying the things like we used to say on Spooky Crossroads you know, and we we tried to swear, and then uh, we kind of found that the, after a little while, the mystique of it was gone. It, and you know, it was better for us, but it seemed forced to the audience. I think because <laughs> I don't know, I don't. I, I guess we can talk about Weei, right? If we're not going over the over the air, I don't know if you've heard Weei's podcast they have with Kirk Minahan. I know that you're no, down. I, I know you're down in Florida now, but I know that you you know you're interested in Boston sports still. Um, well, Kirk Minahan does, uh, I was telling Matt before, he does a podcast where he interviews people in, you know, like a one-on-one segment that they put only out for podcasts. And so he's swearing right and left. And I'm like, you know, you're 20 episodes in, eventually that novelty is going to wear off. And unless you're saying, dropping F-bombs every other word, you know, it's going to seem phony to people. Now, I do drop F-bombs every other word, so. Yeah, and I've been known to do that, too. So uh, I'm going to be on my best behavior just as, um, just as I wasn't on Spooky Crossroads. Well, I think we'll make it through okay. So it's been kind of a, a pretty interesting week going on. Uh, one of the things that you and I both got wrapped up in pretty pretty quickly was uh, that new show on Netflix, Stranger Things. And I know that we've been dying. You know, we've been going back and forth a little bit on uh, on Facebook about it, but we haven't had the opportunity to really talk about it. I mean, is that kind of, you know, it, it's kind of like a wet dream for us to, to be able to see all of these references put into one eight-hour series. It was, and it was enough Stephen King and enough, like, really good movies and music from the 80s to kind of keep it going. I'm still wondering a little bit, other than to make a show in kind of an old style, uh, what exactly, why it needed to be uh, in the 80s. Um, But other than that, I I really loved it. I watched it all in one day. I mean, the story was, there was was some holes and some, a little bit of weaknesses in the... In, in the actual plot, you know, I think there was too much of a, um, you, you, I feel like it was kind of limited by the fact there was eight episodes in some ways, mm-hmm. and in some ways you could tell they were trying to stretch things. Uh, there, you know, we didn't really need a lot of the subplot with the, the, the older kids, I thought. Um, but, you know, whatever. They, they have to have a little something to appeal to everybody. But right from the first couple of minutes, I was hooked. You know, yeah. because it immediately had that feel of y- you can put yourself in that neighborhood 
at that time, right. like you know, we were we were those kids sitting in that basement playing Dungeons and Dragons. Although I I never played, I could I never had the patience for it, but I I tried it a couple of times. But you know, you're sitting in the basement playing Dungeons and Dragons. You have that you know creepy t- twilight time going on outside. I mean, I I was there. That was like I was nine years old again. Yeah, and I I really liked kind of you know the the style and the setup. And um, it was very much Spielberg. You and I both uh, made comments that it felt a lot like Super 8. Mm-hmm. Um, although in Super 8, J.J. directs like Spielberg directs, and this definitely was, was more of a straightforward kind of presentation of it. But um, I was getting very much like a nostalgic feel for everything that was going on in that. And like being in that place and like a place where you still ride bikes. And I was in a smaller town. And so, like, the idea of, like, you took your bike everywhere. Uh, and he had, he had that one line where he was like, look at this bike. There's absolutely no way he would have walked it back. And I'm like, that's right. No matter what happens, you walk the bike back. You know, like, I really got that feel uh, in a lot of the movie, you know, a lot of the show. Yeah, there was a lot of little tiny bits and things that, like, rang true for me. Like, these, like the, the Duffer brothers were 80s kids. You know, you could tell by what by the way they played importance to certain things and the references they make. Uh, one of the one, one of my favorite things about it was, and it's it's something that it's a huge tone setter, and you don't even think about it if you're not tuned in to think about it. Is the opening credits? You have mm-hmm. the John Carpenter style music over what is definitively the Stephen King font, right? With a title that's even an allusion to Stephen King. And I was getting a real, I mean, it was, for me, it was like almost identical to uh, watching V. Like it had almost the exact same music. Mm-hmm. It had those moving letters, like you're saying, and definitely the Stephen King font. And as a viewer, when you're watching that, if you're a Stephen King fan, if you're a fan of like old 80s movies, if you're a fan of like, you know, the, 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 those great novels that were written at that time, your mind really starts to go like, okay, is this going to be deeper? Should I be looking for other things? Is it just like a trick? Is it a gimmick? Or are they alluding to something bigger that I'm supposed to be looking at? And so I um, I really had some of it. And, of course, we don't want to give away any spoilers for people who are, who are going to watch it. But I, I will say, you know, I... I we we went back and forth a little bit about Winona Ryder, and I said she didn't bother me that much, but that was only like three or four episodes in. You know, the she, she played kind of the same harried mom, you know, through every episode. Like every line she gave was like an exasperated yelling. You know that mm-hmm. that kind of wore on me a little bit. Uh, David Harbor blew me away. I, I I you know he's always been kind of an ancillary guy in a bunch of things. I know he's got a spot in the Marvel universe now, but you know he's always been a guy who has been. Um, Kind of on the sidelines for things. In this, he was one of the the like he was kind of you know he there was a lot of shades of Alan Pangborn in him at least from the books the book version of it. There was a lot of shades of you know the guy who you can tell right from the beginning you know he's he's not the hero but he will be the hero by the end you know and you're going on that journey with him and uh, I I just thought that that was some fantastic casting that I never would have seen in that guy based on his previous work and it was really interesting two things that are interesting about him is, is, is A um, of course I'm IMDB throughout the whole thing because I'm checking when movies came out when music came out just to like see whether they were being accurate with the time when some, yes, came out. Yeah, some of it was um, a little off but and I was actually surprised at how little he's been in 
based on the fact that I feel like I've seen him in a thousand things. Right. Um, and I was really looking at going, wow, that was, that's really great. Like, I, I thought I thought he had a bigger body of work. I'm excited to see him in kind of some of this other stuff. Um, and the other thing was the IMDb in the description made it seem as if he was like, hook, hook, like a, like a, yeah, really. And it, it, it actually made for um, a better watching because I just thought that he was going to be just a total pushover. Right. And he ended up, like you're saying, you know, um, rising to the occasion at certain points. I mean, most of the time when I've seen him, it's been a lot of, like, uh, a cop who, uh, you know, he's usually been a cop who is on the take. You know, that yeah. uh, that seems to be... And I, I'm looking at it, too. It looks like he's not in a Marvel movie. I thought that, I thought that he was. He's in something. Cause I remember seeing his upcoming project, and I was like, oh. Oh, it's Su- Suicide so, Squad. That's what he's in, Suicide, Suicide Squad. Squad. yeah. All right, I knew, okay. I knew he had uh, some superhero... Uh, role, yeah, please but, don't get Marvel and DC confused. Oh, no. I, believe me, I know better than that. I'm just getting my <laughs> David Harbour roles confused. Uh, but I thought the the best casting of the entire series was the kids. I mean, those are 80s movies kids that you can get behind. Mm-hmm. They were not good looking. They were just quirky enough. Um, and and I thought that they were... <laughs> they really pulled off that that Spielberg... You know, somewhere between the awkwardness of E.T. and the uh, ingenuity of Goonies. I really... And I I know Goonies is not technically a Spielberg movie. Please don't, you know... No, but it is. Hit us up about that. It (laughs) It is. (laughs) He produced it. Right. It's Listen, if Steven Spielberg produced a movie... He's involved with it. I give Steven Spielberg a percentage of the credit for Goonies. I give him a huge percentage of the credit for Poltergeist, you know, having read all the behind-the-scenes stuff over the years. Right. And uh, and I actually had the chance to talk to, uh, via social media, some of the people that were involved with the production of Poltergeist, and, and they have said, you know, he was he was there, and he was pretty hands-on. Uh, you know that he played a role in, in Back to the Future, you know, you know that he played a role in, in even uh, you know in the, in the Indiana Jones movies that he wasn't at the helm of. You know, he there's his fingerprints are all over a lot of things, and you can see it throughout this. As like if somebody came to me and told me that you know Stephen King was, I mean, uh, Steven Spielberg was um, an advisor on that series and uncredited, I'd be like, well, you know, that doesn't surprise me at all because they just right. nailed it that much. Yeah, I mean, I I think that you know. There's definitely the influence, and so I guess in, in a way, either whether he was there or not, he was definitely his hand was there. Like I said, I, I, from the director's perspective and, and the kind of the way the shots were lined up and the use of lighting and the, you know, the JJ solar flares, which are just an extension of the Steven Spielberg, you know, shot from the light behind them thing, a uh, 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 shot. Um, you know, I thought the Super Eight was an even tighter Spielberg movie, but it definitely had that feel. There, I mean, there will be people who, <clears throat> excuse me, as you and I would go through, you know, episodes of Lost and try to pull apart all the references and that, you know, people will do the same thing with this. I mean, I just remember, and I'm not like a huge, you know, uh, sci-fi, like, I, you know, I watch movies and, and I'm familiar with it, but like, I don't know all the ins and outs and the behind the scenes stuff of a lot of things. Uh, but even I, my ears perked up when they're like, oh, Trooper David O'Bannon. I'm like, that name sounds familiar, O'Bannon. Where do I know that from? Like and even I was astute enough to to realize that at least it was something worth looking up, and then realizing it was the writer from Alien, and then seeing some of the later connections with that, 
You know, so it, it, it really, like, goes to show the you don't have to be a, a diehard fan of all of that stuff to enjoy it, but that if you are, it just creates that extra level. Yeah, right. And a lot of it wasn't, like, in your face, like, hey, hey, let's play Flock of Seagulls because it's an 80s thing, you know? So, and, like, I, and like I, um, I posted... Um, Posted while I was watching it, um, you know, anytime you use Hazy Shade of Winter, greatest cover of all time. That was, it, it's fantastic, and it was well-placed, although it's chronologically inaccurate, I believe. Yes, it is. So, I mean, I guess we I have wish, to... I wish I could come with that really fancy word right now that means, you know, not in the right time. Anachronistic uh, or Yeah, anachronistic, like yeah. And, okay. and... But, you know, sometimes you're willing to forgive that. I mean, there were some episodes of The Wonder Years where they would play a song at a certain moment that, you know, if you're watching it on Netflix, you have no idea what I'm talking about because it's all been replaced with generic crap. You have to buy the actual, you know, DVD series from Time Life for $200 to be able to get the actual music. But there were certain songs that hit a, hit a chord at a certain moment that, you know, then you find out later on, oh, well, this takes place in 1968. That song came out in the first week of 1969. Right. You know, and does it really matter? No, because you're still getting the same feeling of that. Just as a total side note, because we're not on the radio, we can get away with going down rabbit holes. One of my favorite Wonder Years moments where the music kind of kicked in, and I realize that music plays a huge role in TV when I saw this, but there's one scene where I think, you know, Kevin and Winnie just broke up or whatever, and, you know, he's just standing there on the, sto- on, on the stairs, uh, I mean, on the street, and all you hear is just the first, you know, opening guitar chords of I Am A Rock. Yeah, and it was just like so perfectly placed that I was like, "Wow!" Like that's when it comes together, and and that's what gave me that appreciation. You know, you and I have often had the debate uh, on air, I think once or twice, and uh, off air a lot of times about the greatest pilots of all time, whether something was a good pilot or a good finale. And the Wonder Years pilot got to be, you know, in the top ten best pilots of all time. Speaking of pilots, and I put this out on my Facebook earlier, uh, but uh, it, you know, it's something that we can. We can talk about a little bit here. Uh, Matt had posted. Was it you, Matt, or Chris? Why don't you post it up earlier? Uh, the colorized version of the of the Adams family. Oh yeah, yeah. And so that led me to to you know do some YouTube clicking, and I watched the original pilot for the Munsters, which was in color, and the original mom was not Lily Munster, and it was not Yvonne DiCarlo. It was uh, I think her name was Joan Marshall, and she played a character named Phoebe. Just going on the record. Really? Way. I don't, I, I don't think I've seen this. Way hotter than Lily Munster. <laughs> way hotter. I, I mean, I think everybody, you know, every guy comes down one or two ways. You're either, you know, Team Lily or you're Team Morticia. Right. Some people do kind of blur the line of, of both, and I, I think that it's kind of, you know, I can I can see that even though I think it's, you know, take a stand. Right, right. But, uh, well, which are you, Matt, if I had to ask would you be Team Morticia or Team Lily? Um, I'd say Morticia. Yeah. How about you, Chris? I gotta go Morticia too. Hmm. So this Phoebe character that uh, was the <laughs> the mother in the original pilot for the Monsters was kind of like a Morticia clone. So I think that that's why they made the changes is to try to go away from. I, and again, I don't know chronologically which one hit hit TV first. Um, but she was definitely kind of a Morticia-type character. So, and, and I know that you're probably YouTubing it now, anybody that's listening. But just go to YouTube, type in Unaired Munsters Pilot, and you will see. And I, Or you can check it out if you're on my Facebook. You I might can be check able to pull it up on the screen. Yeah, yeah, you can give it a try. I mean, um, 
yeah, I don't know why. She was just, to me, she was uh, way better than Lily Munster. And I'm a Lily Munster fan, but uh, I just think that uh, this this character was better. I see why they made the changes that they did. But especially the Eddie Munster. If you watch this, the Eddie Munster is terrible. And he was played by a kid named Happy. Like the kid's name was Happy. Nobody, nobody, yeah. nobody has a reaction to that. See, we can be silent and there's no right. beeping, so it works out all right. <laughs> I'm just oh right. To take that off. Right, right. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually looking up. Oh yeah, here we go. So if you if you Google Matt Phoebe Munster, you can get a photo that you can put up, dude. Oh yeah, that is like a Morticia clone. Yeah, except she's better looking than Morticia. And that colorized version of Morticia, by the way, was terrible. I just don't see the colorization of it anyway. I, you know, I think that it was, so, you know. So if you actually um, uh, go to our YouTube stream, you can see this. Or if you're not already. It oh. was split pretty much down the, down, the, down the middle, I think, with people saying, yeah, we like the colorization of that. Is, you know, whatever if you do it, but I am so I'm still not into the, this the says of it. This says it's Joan Marshall, but isn't that Yvonne Carlo? It is. Yeah. Is that a real shot? I don't know. I hope uh, so. <laughs> anyway, this show's over now. I've uh, I found some monster porn. See you later. <laughs> My fair monster. <laughs> that was uh that was the name of the pilot, wasn't yeah, yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. I have it uh brought up. So yeah. Anyway, this is this. We're, we're, we're breaking some copyright stuff on the and, stream. And the, and the worst part about it is like all the people that tuned in last time for this for the uh, snack cake talk. It's like well, this show hasn't gotten any better. Like I'm not going to keep listening. This is just as bad <laughs> as snack. So, mm. but there was some other stuff going on this week too, Chris. I mean, we it seems like you know we've had the announcement now of uh, the official announcement of Kindred Spirits, which is coming to Destination America this fall, starting our friend starring our friends Amy Bruni and Adam Berry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the announcement that there's going to be a uh, special paranormal edition of Paranormal Lockdown. So those are a couple of things that happened on the TV front. Uh, what are some of the other story, big stories that were happening this week? You guys were posting up a storm. Well, I know the um, movie news. Um, the I'm not sure if we put it out there. I know some of my friends did that the the Woods is officially uh, a Blair Witch sequel. Yep. I know kind of people are <laughs> divisive over what they, uh, whether they are, um, Blair Witch fans or not. Like everyone kind of understands that it's, it changes the genre, but people are like, but it wasn't all that good. Well, my, my favorite was the, uh, Greg Newkirk comment. These people are way too pretty to be in a Blair Witch movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, you know, you know, I, I, I personally found Heather attractive, you know. Well, I'm not quite sure if I'm ready to, uh, <laughs> But. Well, if we're going to go down this route, then i got to say, like, uh, like for me, like, if I had to pick somebody from a, from a horror movie and it had to be, like, a found footage horror movie, Katie Featherston from uh, from the first Paranormal Activity, like, she got my attention, I have to say. Hmm. Do you know that I have never seen a single Paranormal Activity movie? I didn't even know her name, to be honest with you. Well, I remember that. I, I Googled, her, Googled her quite a bit. But uh, if you... <laughs> If you uh, do see it, Chris, it's actually it's not that bad, but it's not that great either. I mean, it's certainly not um, what it was made out to be, but it's not a waste of your time. Uh, the later movies do get pretty bad. The, I like where they, I like the story they were trying to put together for it, but I just feel like they they dropped the ball a little bit. 
which is what happens with a lot of horror movies. I want to say hi to my cousin, Lana, who is listening right now. She always comments on our stuff, and I never reach out and say, but hello. She's actually, she's she's related to me. Nice. So, see, some of our families actually listen to the show. <laughs> Not many, but some. Uh, yeah, that I means... Well, now, that, now that I've got you on the air, I want to ask you a question. Sure. So, you know, I've been roughly following these two kind of parallel conspiracy theories about the killing of doctors and the killing and the death of um, UFO investigators and paranormal investigators, um, as well as, especially after um, the death of the of the, the guy from India, um, whose name is escaping me right now. Um, I don't know, you, do you guys know who I'm talking about? Where is Grav? Yeah, we, yeah, we shared um, the story. And then there was, and then there were a few other reports. And it was like I didn't want to pull out too much of these ghosts are killing people reports and push them out there. But um, you had posted something about how this was absolutely ridiculous, and I would love to get like why you thought that is. I thought that the I thought that was. I thought that the, and again, I didn't listen to the show, so I can't speak for the way that it was handled. But they threw out uh, it was coast to coast. And they threw out a very clickbaity thing uh, on a very clickbaity headline. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, are paranormal researchers being murdered because two paranormal researchers died? And you know, remind me of the details if I'm wrong. But is is there evidence of foul play in in either case? Well, if they're talking about the Tawari one, there was stuff ahead of time where he said that he was. He felt as if he was being um, pushed upon by a dark force, like not physically pushed upon, but like being pushed upon by a dark force. Every paranormal researcher says that at some point. Well, I mean, from uh, now I'm going from the articles. Some of them were saying some things like the Daily Mail or some of the UK papers, which are a bit sketchy. Some of them were going from um, more, slightly more, like CNN. Uh, actually pick up the story and talk about it. And then there were a few more that kind of expanded on it in papers that were out of India. And they were making it seem as if it was not just like, hey, I think there are dark forces, but that in the weeks leading up to this, that he seemed to get a higher level of paranoia that there was something that was trying to get at him in the weeks leading up. Now, of course, you can say that, you know, well, and then something happened. It could be psychological. It could be, um, you know, it could be that no matter when anything actually attacked you, you would have built yourself up to it if you said it enough. But, I mean, there was at least in that article or in that case, like some kind of, you know, warning ahead of time that something bad was going to happen. But I I feel like most paranormal researchers have that happen to them at some point where they feel like there's something like that surrounding them. And I feel like there's also a, a large undercurrent of people who feel like there is a physical, like an actual human element to the paranoia that they're feeling like they're watching me they're keeping an eye on me you know there's paranormal researchers that tell their friends and family uh listen if something ever happened to me you know there's a manila envelope in my desk make sure that that gets out to the papers you know like that kind of stuff and and i feel like there's a lot of that so it's it's an easy conclusion for people to jump to and it's also like if you're coast to coast am and you're broadcasting out to you know, millions of people, but you re- you do realize that a, a strong segment of your population, uh, of your listenership, is involved in this activity of paranormal research, whether 
legitimately or just as a hobby or just, you know, peripherally, what have you, you know, they're going to see that headline and click on it. And, and, and I feel, I just feel like it was, I feel like there should be a little bit more journalistic integrity to coast to coast, but I, I realize mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the show the way it was 15 years ago. Right. Get out of the past. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't really, I just see that as kind of like just trying to, to, Fear monger a little bit amongst your audience to say, you know, it was very, very, like, very much like Donald Trump's acceptance speech. We're going to get up and start twisting a lot of these facts just to make things seem like they're so much worse than they are. And I feel like that's kind of what they were doing. So it was more of the the way that Coast to Coast was presenting it, the fact that you were even talking about it, than than this idea that has been floated kind of for you know so a few years that um, that certain paranormal researchers have been targeted. Yeah, no, it's certainly, it's certainly, I felt it was more the way they handled it. But again, I didn't listen to the show, so for all I know, the show is, you know, them saying, oh, this is ridiculous, people are getting worked, the same thing we're saying, but that they just use that headline to try and draw on people's attention. Right, right. I mean, I would love to get, um, to get Nancy, uh, Moniz's friend out of Florida, whose last name is escaping me right now, but I would love to get Nancy on sometime to talk about um, that same kind of conspiracy theory with uh, doctors and researchers. I mean, is, is, we're seeing a lot of the same type of parallels with with doctors. Yeah, like um, I mean, there and she's you know, I mean, it's killing me. I can't remember her name. I'm horrible. Planeta Nancy um, Planeta. But um, she, um, yeah, I mean, she every single time there's one of them, and it, there just seems to be a disproportionate amount of medical researchers, especially in the field of cancer who meet these really kind of unexplained deaths and who meet these, um, uh, uh, you know, strange car accidents and odd suicides and, and these deaths that seem to come out of nowhere. Um, many of them are connected to each other. Some of them are not, but working on related things in different fields. Um, but there seems to be, over the, over the last couple of years especially, just this increase of people who are researching these very... Um, pharmaceutical company heavy diseases that seems to be meeting their deaths. Hmm. Well, I'm just going to throw throw this out there because uh, you know we got about 20 minutes left. I don't know if we're going to go past midnight. Probably not. Uh, but we, so we have time if anybody wants to call in five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. 877-996-1420. Believe it or not, even though we're going over YouTube, we can take your calls. I think, Matt, we just revolutionized the way that they do blog talk radio. <laughs> right. They're like, wait a minute. <laughs> we could actually do this for real without having to you know, do it over a, over a phone call, group phone call. Uh, but uh, So we can take your calls, if you and you can see it there on the screen uh, on on the, the YouTube channel. And this is Spooky South Coast. We have some people saying that they are joining for the first time. This is Spooky South Coast where we talk about the paranormal. Each and every Saturday night we normally broadcast over WBSM, uh, which is located on the south coast of Massachusetts, hence the name. Uh, but tonight we are going solely over our YouTube stream. This show is multifaceted. We Not only are we over the radio, not only do we podcast the show later on, but we also have live streaming video every week on our YouTube channel uh, that you can tune in and actually see what goes on in the studio while it's happening. And then we put up clips and we put up the whole video. So it's uh, there's, there's no way that you can't consume this show. We've got Facebook Live going, so there's uh, tons of ways to... Uh, get involved. Now, that being said, the next couple of weeks, I think we're going to have pre-records because we have some paranormal events to go to. I hear the beeping sound, and I'm wondering if... Nope, don't have to worry about it. 
This will all switch over anyway. Once I see this computer switch over, then I know that we're screwed. We have to start pressing buttons to go over the air. Uh, but uh, so far, so good. Chris, thank you, for, by the way, for uh, joining us for this uh, potential disaster. Oh, hey, if you guys are going to go down, I want to be there. And uh, we just got a, a uh, comment from, from my buddy Gordo in the uh, Facebook Live uh, thread, and he asked if we have any feelings on the Mandela effect. Uh, Matt Costa and I have actually been saying that we want to do an entire show on the Mandela effect, Chris. We wanted to get you to get involved with this, to not only you know find us a guest to discuss it, but also to be part of that show, because I'm sure that you have some thoughts and feelings on it as well. Um, I've heard you say it before, and I actually call it by something else. What is it again? The Mandela effect. I will let Matt Costa, if he's not busy checking things over there, he can kind of explain it because he's the one that brought it up to me. It's um, well, the Mandela effect. I, I found it um, just kind of puttering, puttering around YouTube. It's um, the theory that uh, we are actually in a parallel universe, and um, when they um, were messing around trying to create that uh, that make um, that black hole with a um, was it the Hadron Collider. Yeah, the Large Hadron Collider. Yeah, yeah. Um, that at that particular moment, when they they actually did create a black hole, and we every everything got sucked into a parallel universe. And their proof is that um, people remember things differently in history, or okay. just in in your life. Also, like Mandela, you know, died a lot earlier. Right, that's than I did. the he died a lot earlier. Yeah, the the. Um, that's that's the uh, the main like um, thing they talk about is they 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 say that Mandela actually died uh, sometime in the eighties I believe in prison. It's so it's it, it basically like we we uh, Tim and I kind of go back and forth joking about it. It's like somebody who uh, is wrong at um, trivial pursuit and just doesn't want to <laughs> be wrong and just kind of made this up. That's yeah. what I think. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like uh, oh. Remember that time that we had, uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd on Spooky South Coast? Oh, that never happened. Remember, he canceled on the interview. Oh, Mandela effect, <laughs> right? You know, like we just kind of use it as a catch-all to, like, when we screw something up. Or the time that Hans Holzer was on. Yeah, right. <laughs> I still, I still love, I still love sharing that story. And, uh, and uh, what, well, you know, that's one of the things that we caught on Stranger Things was the fact that. Uh, there's this one scene where, you know, not to not to give any spoilers away, but the kids communicate with walkie-talkies, and there's this one scene where the camera zooms in on the walkie-talkie on the kid's shelf, and uh, right next to it is a Hans Holzer book. So mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, that's, that's a nice little touch that's right curious. there, you know? Like, they, they didn't really get too much into the ghost aspect of things, but you could tell there was some undercurrent of it there, and I wouldn't be surprised if... Now, they're not going to have a season two, Chris. Did you hear about this? Really? It's I not, have not heard that part because they left it so open for nope, season two. They're having a sequel is what they're calling it. Ah. So instead of, a, if they said it's not going to be a season two, it's going to be a sequel, which I think is pretty interesting because it means they don't have any responsibility to kind of pick up where they left off, and, and it gives them kind of the opportunity to play around a little bit more. It might not even be the same story. It might be those kids as adults, who knows, but uh, it certainly gives them some some leeway with the story. But, of course, you know Netflix still hasn't announced yet if they're going to do, go forward with it. Or not? I can't I imagine they wouldn't. They do a genre like study and like now do like '90s movies and kind of like what it would be the same equivalent of that of like '90s, you know, suspense 
sci-fi oh. suspense. Oh, I don't know though, because some of those '90s movies were really bad. <sighs> I don't know Once if we started getting a. Uh, our, our monsters and boogeymen to start going up against each other for all out control of our souls. It got pretty, pretty uh, dreary. All right, I just gotta, I gotta see what happens here because uh, the sports are over. So what do we do? What do we do now, Matt? It looks like uh, nothing's going on the radio. It beeped for a second, but now it clicked over. What do we have playing over here? It's uh, delayed for seven seconds, and now it looks like we're off the air completely over there. Let me click the playlist. It's just going to hard branch. It's not doing anything. So we should probably just go into program, right? And just put ourselves over the air for now. And now we are back over the air. We is, This is Spooky South Coast uh, broadcasting on WBSM. We, uh, we were broadcasting solely on our YouTube channel, which is the way that we are going to try and broadcast uh, when there are no Red Sox games happening, when the Red Sox games are happening and when they're... Keeping us from getting on the air, we've been trying to broadcast over our YouTube stream. Uh, we are talking with Chris Balzano, our show's content director. That worked pretty smoothly, huh? We are we are awesome. So we finally figured this out. It only took us ten years to be able to figure out something that we could have done the entire time. Um, <laughs> I want a uh, Mandela. Mandela. Effect. <laughs> it's the Mandela. Effect. So for those of you who didn't quite understand how it works, now you know. See, and the, the, the people over the WBSM air, airwaves um, have no idea what Mandela is. But no. you'll have to check out our YouTube channel. Let's just say this. in the man- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. Go back to the YouTube channel, watch the video, download the podcast. But if we go back a little bit and check and actually put this into Mandela terms, Chris, the Red Sox actually won that game, uh, you know, like 12 to 1. Mandela. So there, Chris, or did we cut you off because... Oh, you uh, there you go. We had to put you back into the other version. Oh, now I should make my joke? Now make your joke, yes. <clears throat> okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you remember that when uh, we swept the Twins in Poppy's last uh, series against them? Right. That was a great ending to his career. I'm, I'm trying to see, by the way, because uh, uh, Matt's in the, the chat room and he's asking about spooky South Coast onesies. Uh, I'm trying to find out if we still do we still have the Cafe Press store, or is that long mm-hmm. gone? Might be long gone, but we could uh, we could always come up with something new. Because the Cafe Press store did have the Spooky South Coast onesie mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. I remember that because my son was, you know, still wearing those things when we started the show. So I was like, oh, you know, we should we should certainly uh, make one of those. But, you know, nothing got quite the attention as the Spooky South Coast thong. <laughs> right. Nobody ever ordered one. But, uh. Thankfully. Yeah. So yeah. I don't see it on there, but Matt, we'll, we'll, we'll find a way was to. Wasn't Moni's a picture on it? No, that was the was creepy line he made. <laughs> creepy line he made. Gave on the radio. You know, I was trying to, because my, I was trying to get my son interested in, you know, what I do. And so I was showing him my office page, um, and. I was, you know, was reacquainted with my spooky South Coast black hat, and I boy, do I miss my, that hat! I lost mine. I can't find it anywhere. So we got to do something to get that gear back up. Well, that I mean, those hats were, uh, you know, the the people who made those hats for us they aren't aren't even in business anymore. But uh, maybe Vinny at Dark Siding could could make something similar. I don't know. Maybe cooler. I thought, you know. 
Well, the uh, you know the, that's the question everybody asks is about the spooky South Coast gear, and I put out the question last year because we don't have any money. It's not like we have money to go out and <laughs> like put in an order for T-shirts. So uh, I, I I mean we got some some nice donations from folks on our GoFundMe page uh, recently that you know had to go back into the production of the show and and, and the, the streaming and all that stuff. So you know we we didn't have any money to invest in in merchandise, but I did put it out and I said you know who would order one? And I got a lot of people that said that they would. So maybe it's time to kind of revisit it. We'll take the advanced orders and then, you know, just tell people it might take a few weeks to get the shirts printed up. But at least right. then, it'll you know, and Vinny's always willing to do it. He, You know, this is his busy time of the year, so it would probably have to be after the fall because, you know, he's you know, already making I, stuff. I can for, tell you from my weekend, you, we used to do a lemonade stand because that's been pretty successful for us down here in Florida. I saw that, yeah. It seems Well, you know, it's not just a lemonade stand, though. You guys have all kinds of options. <laughs> yes, we had an entire snack shack and then once... Once it uh, got going, they wanted to sell more and more things. They wanted to start selling Lego kits. And I'm like, whoa, guys, we're just out here <laughs> selling some crystal light. Like, why don't we relax? But, yeah, it was a fun time. Right. And you got to be careful, too, by the way, because, like, certain items you can't resell. And if anybody finds out about it, you can get into trouble. Like, uh, years ago, I used to live near the uh, Otis Air Force Base, and they were having a Beach Boys concert. And my dad came up with the idea of, like, let's go, let's, like, go get a bunch of sodas and, and stuff and, and just stand out there and sell them to people while they're stuck in traffic trying to get into the Air Force Base. You know, and this is like 1990. We're selling Cokes for a dollar a can. And uh, and making a killing, but you know we wanted to get beers because we we're like, oh, people will buy beers, but you can't sell beers to people driving in a car, you know. <laughs> but otherwise, like that would be, I'd be selling hard lemonade. A hard lemonade stand would make a killing. But well, we, you know, there's you know, oddly enough, we got a, a ton of cozy cups, and those were the big sellers. We were selling. We ended up. Oh, I would. I would pay. In the neighborhood wanted them, so. I would pay a hefty fee for a cozy cup anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Those are delicious. Well, you know, if you come out to a House of Bricks wrestling show, they, they have the snack table, and they even have, like, ice cream and frozen Milky Ways and stuff in the cooler. So should, uh, We should find out where uh, all the Pokestops are, or at least a, a popular one. Just go out there with a... Fort, we can go down to Fort Phoenix. Yeah. Apparently, there's, like, 200 people down there right now. So, there's all kinds of issues going on around here with Pokemon Go. How about in your house, Chris? Does Pokemon Go become a thing? Not at all. My kids went away on a vacation to a cabin with no Wi-Fi for a week. Um, and it happened to be, you know, like two weeks ago leading up into last week. They came back and had no idea what Pokemon Go was. And that's how I'm keeping it. Well, you can't hold back yeah. for too much longer. Uh, it's it's out there. It's a well, thing. My son's never really been big into Pokemon. So if they make something else that involves either Transformers or Ninjago, I'm totally, you know, down the creek. But for right now, I'm just kind of holding out. The, uh, one of the commenters in the Facebook chat said that uh, when we were talking about Stranger Things, you know, she likes the idea of it being a sequel instead of a season two as long as it doesn't, you know, so it doesn't become like Under the Dome. I, I tapped out after season two on Under the Dome. I think I tapped out after episode three. It just um, got to be uh, too much for me. Yeah, and and I think it felt I hadn't I hadn't read all of Under the Dome. Um, I got about halfway through that book, but it seemed like you're really just like stretching things out. Like we were saying that same thing about Stranger Things, and it was like it really felt to me like I'm like. Why is this scene seem to be longer? Why are we going back and forth? I don't remember that. 
And, you know, once I, um, I think I checked with you, once I realized it wasn't actually, there wasn't a connection to the Dark Tower really in it, I totally lost interest. I actually, I don't want to give a spoiler alert here. And I don't know how the TV show ended. I don't know if they ended it, if it just got canceled before they got to wrap anything up. And I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't read the book, but it is the worst ending of a Stephen King book ever. The actual book? Yes. It was the only time that I was ever pissed at a Stephen King ending. Well, I think I've been there a few times myself. Uh, well, uh, no, I mean... Thing is the worst. Yeah, like, this is definitely the worst. I mean, there's been sometimes I'm like, oh, okay. But, like, this one was kind of like, uh, you know... I don't... I don't... I don't it, the book's been out for like over ten years or something. I, I, is it okay to kind of say what it is? I think it is. All right, and you're not going to finish it. I'm definitely not. All right, not now at least. I was saying I just got a, you know an audible. But that's fine. Yeah, it turns out that they're being played with by a child alien. Oh yeah, yeah. You told me that. Yeah, like literally, <laughs> like there's a, a a large alien child who is like using. That town is like his ant farm. So something out of Men in Black. I think it was trying to be. I think it was trying to be a Twilight Zone style ending. Right, right. But it was like you're reading the book and you're like, if it turns out to be something stupid like that, I'm going to be mad. And then it turns out to be something stupid like that. What was the was the conflict like within the town resolved? I don't remember. I, I pushed it all out of my <laughs> you're mind. Like, I don't remember. I pushed it all out of my mind. Now, was it an autistic alien? I I don't know. You you thinking maybe they say elsewhere at it? I think they say elsewhere with it. Those of you who think I'm not insulting autistic people, it was more I was making a elsewhere reference. Yes, that was a direct reference. Yeah, and, yeah. and I I don't know. I mean, I I I've completely pushed it. There's a lot of Stephen King that I've completely pushed out of my mind. But some of it I will always go back to. And in fact, with all the hype that's surrounding it right now, with the remake in the process of being filmed, I'm actually considering going back and reading it again, uh, which will be, I think, like my... It's got to be double digits now for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. I read I read it like some people read the Bible. You know, like where I just open it up occasionally and just read a passage. <laughs> I need inspiration today. What's that, happening, Derek? That that uh, I mean, that's certainly what does it for me. I mean, it's just it's to me it's it's the the pinnacle. But you know, other people say, "Oh no, it's the stand." But the stand has some some draggy moments for me, and it, and it has some some things that uh, I think are predictable, and some things that I think are just I, I don't like. I mean, I love it overall, but you know, I can be more nitpicky with it. Uh, Oddly enough, um, what do you call it? Watchmen? Is that for me? Sometimes yeah. I just need to watch it, open up Watchmen and read like five pages, and make everything right in the universe. So, and and one other thing too that I feel I, I should mention real quickly as we're running out of time here. Uh, last week at the Ocean State Paracon, uh, they did raise a lot of money for the uh, Rhode Island. I want to make sure I get it right. The Rhode Island Coalition Against Domestic Violence, uh, and a lot of great people were there. Uh, but there were people talking about the new Ghostbusters movie, and I heard some pretty mixed reactions about it. Uh, a lot of people have told me that, you know, it's a fun movie. If it wasn't Ghostbusters, people would have said it was a ripoff of Ghostbusters. So they understand why it had to have the Ghostbusters name on it. But a lot of people felt kind of the same way that I did. Like, they could have made it a third movie instead of making it stand alone. 
So I still haven't seen it. Matt Costa and I were talking about possibly seeing it tonight before the show. We didn't think we would have had time. Turns out we would have had all the time we needed. We could have watched Ghostbusters 1, 2, and the new one, <laughs> waiting for that Red Sox game to get over. But uh, certainly, you know, we'll get our hands on a copy of it or we'll get out there to see it and, and be able to provide an accurate review in the coming weeks. Uh, but I did watch the Ghost Heads documentary that was on. It's on Netflix now. And uh, well done. Well done job by everybody involved with that. I don't know if you've seen I'm just that looking yet. for, you know, it's a PG-13 movie. Both of my kids want to go see it, and I think that that's the perfect excuse to go see it. Yep. Um, but I'm still trying to get quite whether it would be appropriate for them because, you know, there was some of the some of the material in the original. I'm like, okay, I didn't get that when I saw it when I was my son's age, but like, is it going to be dirty stuff? So I'm gonna I'm gonna wait to see hear like kind of the parent review before I go take it one. So I think that'll do it for this week's show. Uh, we're going to be doing some pre-records over the next couple of weeks, and then we'll be back. You've got the the next couple of months book solid, so we should have a lot of great shows coming down the pike in the future. Remember, those of you who are new, you can always download the show. Uh, go to SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can go wherever podcasts are found. iTunes has only the last 100 episodes, but there's 10 years' worth of podcasts out there. If you go to other podcast services, you'll be able to download them all. Stitcher's a great place to get them. Uh, and, of course, you can check out all the YouTube videos as well on our YouTube channel. So we'll be back live in a couple of weeks, but we'll be back with some recorded stuff uh, coming up next Saturday night. We'll talk more about the world of the strange and the unusual. That's what we do here. It's pretty much what we do all the time, but you know, for two hours a week on Saturday nights, they let us come in and do it on the radio. So thank you all for joining us both on the stream and on the radio tonight. We thank you, Chris, for joining us. Uh, and we want to say to everybody out there for... For Matt, for myself, for Chris, for Stephanie, for, for, for Moniz, who couldn't be here because he's sunburned. We want you all to stay spooktacular, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>